do it. If your Bible is, they can stand with me. The book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 37 and 38. Acts, chapter 2, verse 37 and 38. By the way, this is the first sermon Peter preached that we have recorded in the Scripture. And many believe it's probably his best, but look what happens here. Now, when they heard this, that was the sermon Peter preached. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Father, thankful for your words today. And I pray that as we consider the word, we would glean truths for eternity. I pray, Lord, we'll open our heart and allow the Word of God to have free course in our lives. I pray, Lord, for those who need drawn to you, today would be that day. For those who have never been saved, that today might be that day. And God, for those who are living on the edges, draw them near to you. We'll give you the praise and the glory. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Their question was, what shall we do? The bottom line was, they realized they were guilty. Not only guilty of crucifying the Messiah, but guilty of sin. And do you realize that every one of us here today are guilty of sin? And the cry of our heart should be, what should we do? During our Sunday school hour, we were looking at Lot's choices that he made that affected himself and others. And we're surprised to find out, although we've read it before, we're still surprised, that the angels had to drag Lot out of that city. Do you realize today, folks, we live in a world that's on fire? And just as Lot was admonished to flee from that destruction, our message is to the world, flee from that destruction. And the crowd there, as Peter preached, when they heard that message, they realized they were guilty. And the cry was from the heart. What can we do? My friend, there's only one answer for our sins, and that's Jesus. Nothing else will work. And Peter looked at them and he says, you need to repent. 
That means to turn around, to change your mind, to revolve. And then you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. So why does it matter? Why does baptism matter? And if you don't get anything else, don't forget this. Baptism matters. Hear me well. Because it is a genuine response of saving faith. Baptism says to me, your faith is genuine. Show me a person who says, I've been saved, but I don't want to get baptized. I would doubt their conversion. I would doubt their conversion. I didn't do the research, but I am told that in the time we live, there are about one-third of Americans claim they've been born again. One-third. But the reality is, of that one-third, very few live different than the rest of the world. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And so what we have here is professing Christians. They profess Jesus Christ. I have been born again, they will tell us. Or I have been saved. I went forward. The preacher gave an invitation. And I went forward to the call. And claimed Christ. And when I did that, there were some people who told me now that you have done that. You've received Christ. And they assured me that I was born again. But the question is, are they? And the answer is, maybe, but maybe not. The real issue is, not have you come forward. The real issue is, has God changed your heart? That's it. Has God changed your heart? Has he raised you from spiritual death to spiritual life through the power of the Holy Spirit? And my friend, if that's not happened, I don't care what you said. I don't care who you talked to. If those things haven't happened in your life, if that's not true in your life, you have not been saved. Because here's what I found out, not only through the Word of God, but my own experience. And by the way, never take experience over the Bible. Amen, alright? Let me clarify that one. When a person is born again, there will be a new hatred for sin. We will see sin differently. If we're born again, we will have a desire to please the Lord in everything we do. I want to please you, Lord. When we're born again, there will be a new love for other people. A love we never thought we could have, and especially 
for other believers. And I gotta tell you, some of you are hard to love. And I know I'm hard to love. Amen. I throw myself in that group. And I realize that these changes grow over time. And there'll be some struggles, there'll be some setbacks. But if you're born again, there will be an overall growth in obedience to the Lord. And you know why? Because your heart's been changed. I think it was Thomas Jefferson who said it. When the heart is right, the feet are swift. Amen. If a person has no desire to obey God, if they have no desire to fellowship with other believers, if they have no desire to be a part of a local congregation, no desire to live for God during the week, that faith is not genuine. My friend, the day I got saved, God changed my want-tos. The things I used to want to do don't matter to me anymore. Now, that doesn't mean I don't struggle. Sure I do. doesn't mean there's no setback. Sure there was. But my friend, our, there has to be progress in the growth in our obedience to God. Now, by the way, we're saved by grace through faith alone. But hear me and hear me well. Saving faith is never alone. Do you hear me? We're saved by grace through faith alone, not by works. But saving faith is never alone. Because saving faith will always result in a person who has been saved living a life of obedience to Jesus Christ. We will want to please Him. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of work, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So once we're saved, God's plan for your life and for my life is to walk in those good works. Not to get saved but because we already are saved. 1 John 2, 3. And hereby, here's how we know that we know Him. If we keep His commandments. It amazes me of the people that I run into, even in our family, who claim that they're saved. And they don't attend church. And I ask them from time to time, what about that commandment? Fail not to assemble yourselves together, as the manner of some is. Well, I I know but. Well, don't let your but get you in trouble, right? There are no buts. God says that command. But one of the important commandments that God gives is that we confess our faith in Christ Through water baptism. Water baptism is in fact our public confession that we have died out to our old life 
We were buried with Christ, and now we're raised again to walk in the newness of life. And that's a confession, if you will, of faith. We read a moment ago from the book of Acts, and we can see from the book of Acts how closely baptism was connected with saving faith as an act of obedience. Let me read it again, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We're guilty, they said. We have been cut to the heart by the word of God. What can we do? Peter said the answer is easy. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Now, there are some who would say, and they take this verse out of context and twist it a little bit. And they say, well, you get uh, baptized to get saved. That's not what Peter says. Baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Interesting word for there. It could have two applications or two meanings. It could mean you do something to get a result. So if Peter's saying you get baptized to get saved. Or it means you do something because you've already did the right thing. It's something you're getting rewarded for what you've done. For example... Uh, Pam and I grew up in southern Illinois, and I always tell people it's a good place to be from. Uh, We have no desire to move back. And uh, we've been to Missouri and and different different caves, a couple different caves over there. And uh, I don't know how he did it, but Jesse James slept in almost every cave there was in the world. At least one night. And you've heard about Jesse James, and you've seen the, on television, whatever, in, in westerns or whatever, Jesse James is wanted for bank robbery. Are they trying to hire Jesse James to rob a bank? Is that what it's saying? No. He's wanted because he's already robbed that bank. And Peter said, be baptized because your sins have already been remitted. You've already confessed Christ as your Savior, so there has to be an order in this baptism. And by the way, That's why we believe the Bible teaches believer baptism. Believer baptism. Acts 3.19 Repent you therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the time to refresh you shall come from the presence of the Lord. So there they're saying repent. Nothing said about baptism. Why? Repentance has to come first. And there are many verses that show our sins are forgiven through faith, through repentance, before we're baptized. Acts 10.43. To give him, to give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. Faith in Christ. Acts 16.30. And brought them out and said, sirs, 
What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So salvation comes by faith alone in Christ. Baptism follows your confession of Christ as your Savior. And we find in a new text, there's a close connection in the book of Acts, uh, in the minds of the apostles between belief and baptism. And hear me well. The idea of an unbaptized believer was unheard of in the New Testament. If you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were baptized. Faith in Christ brings forgiveness. Faith alone. But baptism is the outward act that demonstrates an inward faith in our hearts. Now, let me interject here before we get too far. Is it possible that some people get baptized and are not saved? Absolutely. Absolutely. But my friend, if you're genuinely saved, you will want to be baptized. I remember when I was in... Well, now they would call it junior high. We didn't have that. We were lucky to have one school. One to eight grade, right? And we were going to, to a little mission church in my little town that we lived near. Went to school there. And there were about three of our, my buddies went, went forward one Sunday morning. And I thought, man, you're going forward. I'm going to go, I'm going to go forward. And the preacher asked them, did you want to get baptized? They said, yeah, we want to get baptized. I said, yeah, I want to get baptized. And we were all baptized. But then there came a time I realized something. I had no meaning to it. Because repentance has to come first. So about 10 or 12 years later, when I heard the message of the gospel that, that spoke to my heart, I came forward, gave life, my, my life to Christ. And a week later, February, two degrees below zero, not, Ryan, not in the warm baptistry in the little Miami River. My mother said, you'll die. My pan got baptized too. I preached at that time. Uh, because of the river, he always had another guy help him. Other guy's name was Bobby Strauss, and he might have weighed 90 pounds wet. And he walked us out to the center of the river, where we're deep enough to baptize, not over our head, of course. It was so cold, I had to carry him back. But we were baptized. Now, I'm not sure I would do that again in that cold water, but it was, you know, we, we made it through. But it was important to us. Because the first time in my life, I realized God had made a difference in my life. And I wanted to make a public confession through baptism that, yes, Jesus Christ is my Savior. So there was a clear pattern in the New Testament to those who responded to the preaching of the Word, and that's belief, and then baptism came after that. And there is a clear order. So what are some things about this? First of all, uh, baptism is distinct from saving faith. You can get baptized a thousand times. It'll never save you on its own. It was never meant for salvation. Salvation is by faith alone. When I'm baptized, when a person is baptized, they are making a public confession of their faith in Jesus Christ. 
But saving faith is distinct from that. We've already been born again. And it's our faith in Jesus Christ that saves us, not baptism itself. So saving faith is a personal response to the sacrifice Jesus made for our sins. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Now, by the way, folks, in those two verses, we have the complete gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Be careful for a church who advertises their name, the full gospel. Because they've added something else to the gospel. The gospel at its core is the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. Do you realize that Jesus died for your sins? And it wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't plan B. The Bible says, and Paul mentioned here, it was according to the Scriptures. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. The second thing, not only did he die, he was buried. Now, we're living, it's been going on since Jesus was crucified. People have tried to discount the actual death of Christ. But it's interesting, Jesus did die on the cross, and Jesus was buried in a tomb. The third thing he did, he was raised on that third day according to the Scriptures. He was raised to die no more. He was raised for our justification. He was raised because the power of God raised him from the dead. Timothy, chapter 1, 1 Timothy 1, 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. How many are glad he did? He came to save sinners. My friend, Jesus didn't die to help you have a better esteem for yourself. He didn't die so you could have a happier marriage. He didn't die so you could have a a successful career. Jesus died for our sins. That is our greatest need. And the audience of Peter's day, when he heard him preach, they were cut to the heart because they realized they were guilty. And if we take sin out of the picture, then Jesus did not have to die. But he died for our sins. The Bible is clear. Our sins separate us from God. If we die, if you die in in your sins, you will die eternally separated from a loving God. And you will spend eternity in a devil's hell. My friend, that's reality. And this world is on fire. But the good news is, thank God, the good news is that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, He came to earth to bear the punishment we deserve, to die the death that we deserve. 
He lived a perfect, righteous life. He had no sin to atone for, but thank God He atoned for my sin and for your sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Oh, what a God. What a God. Does that mean that everybody are saved then? No. Only those who receive it into their hearts. Only those who trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Those are the ones who have made the righteousness of God in Christ. But let me remind you, it's very important. We have to understand that saving faith is not just a mental assent. It's not just mentally agreeing with the facts about Jesus Christ. Many years ago, when I worked at General Motors, just before the shift started, we were standing there talking, and I don't know how it came up, but talking about being saved, and oh, one person, that's easy. All you got to do is show up at church early one night or one day and one morning, whatever, and, and talk to the preacher. He'll give you some words to say. You repeat it, and you're saved. Folks, there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. Saving faith involves repentance. It involves renouncing any trust in our own works. It involves entrusting our eternal destiny to what Jesus did on Calvary for us. It involves believing with our whole heart that Jesus paid the penalty in full for our sins. I don't, Pam and I haven't flown very much. Jeremy flies pretty often. But it amazes me how dumb we are. We get on a plane, and we've never, never met that pilot. We don't know how good he is. We don't know if he ever flew a plane before. We hope that he did. But we put our faith that he has done that. Now, I could say all day long, well, I, I, I trust the pilot can do this. I, I believe he can really do it. But I'm just not going to get on board. That's not saving faith. Saving faith means not only do I have a mental assent with Christ of what he did for me, I'm ready to get on board. I'm ready to be a part of his family. I'm ready to commit my life to him. I'm ready to make him Lord and Savior of my life. Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, I mean, anybody here have a mouth today? Huh? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as near as our mouth and our heart. It's that close. We don't have to go to heaven and pull it down or go to hell and bring it out, the grave. To confess means to give verbal affirmation. Yes, God, I agree. I acknowledge with my mouth that you died for my sins. 
And I realize anybody can say that we believe something. But my friend, God knows your heart. And he hears the cry of the heart. So when we make this confession, it's not just saying words. They have to be declared. They have to be professed, proclaimed from the heart. And words that express full conviction. Yes, Lord, I am lost and you paid the price and I need you today. Today. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, you will be saved. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Believe and confess, and you will be saved. No reference to works at all. So, why are we baptized? Not for salvation, but our confession that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you today for your word is clear. I thank you for the Holy Spirit today because no one can be saved except the Lord draw them. And I pray that right now, Lord, that your word has gone out. And I pray if there's anyone listening online or here this morning in the congregation, if they've never been saved, draw them today, Lord. But God, I pray especially, too, for those who think they are. They repeated some words many years ago, but their life is showing no change. I pray, God, you would send conviction that today they'd make it real. And I pray for all of your children, Lord, that we'll never forget the price Jesus paid, that we might be saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just let's do one verse of invitation, if you don't mind. And if you feel like you need to pray, we'll meet you here. And if you don't need, don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to come. We'll take God's Word and show you how to be saved. We won't force you to do that. We won't talk you into it. Only the Spirit of God can do that.